Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Pursuing Jesus Podcast. My name is Shane Winnings. This is episode 49. And for the next three episodes, we're going to dive into uh, Jesus in three different distinct um, positions, three different distinct persons, characteristics. We're going to talk about Jesus as the Lamb. We're going to talk about Jesus as the High Priest. And we're going to talk about Jesus as the coming King and Judge of the world. That'll be the next three episodes. So today we're going to talk about Jesus as the Lamb. And I want to thank you for listening as always. Guys, it's incredible to me that so many hundreds and hundreds of people listen to each episode. And uh, I want to thank you. And I want to invite you to partner with us to help us keep this thing going. This is free. A lot of the things that we do are free. I've I've never charged for an event. I did a nationwide tour last year. It was totally free. I went to 44 cities. I put out content. Everything I do is free, and we just ask people to consider giving, partnering uh, to help us keep going. And so if you want to do that, there's a link in the description. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that today, but just know that any little bit goes a long way, and that those monthly partners really help us build a sustainable budget so that we can do more ministry things for you. So thank you. And uh, make sure you follow us. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, hit the bell, turn on notifications. That will tell you when I post a new episode. Um, So if you really like what you're hearing and you want to get all the updates, I try to post every single day during the week. Um, Make sure you turn on those notifications. Last week I was a little busy with family in town and a few different ministry events that I was attending, and uh, so I didn't get to crank any episodes out, but I'm excited for these next three. So let's talk about Jesus as the Lamb. First, I want to read out of Isaiah 53. Now, this was a prophecy that came long before Jesus was even born. Listen to what this says. I'm going to read twelve uh, Isaiah 53, 4 through 12. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that's capital H, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servants shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. I mean, that is a, that's such a powerful verse 
or a group of verses, a passage, a, a chapter in and of itself. But the fact that it is prophetic, like Jesus had not come and done any of these things yet, but this guy is talking as though he has already seen it, and that's because God showed it to him. But he is he is telling everyone that there is going to be one coming who is going to make intercession, who is going to remove the sin of the world. This is so key. Now in John chapter 1, we have John the Baptist. And when he sees Jesus coming, many of you know the, the great line that he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, not forgives, takes away the sin of the world. He does forgive the sin of the world, but it's way more important than that. Because the old law and the bulls and goats and lambs and things that were slaughtered in the Old Testament, they had the power to forgive as well. Because God told the people that if you sacrifice these animals and you do these certain you know, rituals, this is how you will get forgiveness. But Jesus came and he did more than just forgive sin. He cleansed sin, and we're going to talk about that. That's why it's very important that John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Another scripture, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, talking about the Lamb. Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover Lamb, was sacrificed for us. This is Paul writing to the church. He's talking about dealing with immorality and that you're a new lump. You are not the old you and every bit of the old man, the flesh, that sinful nature, every bit of the, the actions and behaviors that lead to death, which is sin, you need to purge it out. You need to get rid of it because you are a new lump. And he says, why? Indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. He's saying, we have been made new because of this lamb, this Passover lamb. The same lamb that was slain in Exodus, it was a foreshadow of what Jesus would do. He is our Passover lamb. So we have some questions that we need to answer here. And I want to thank uh, Peter Lewis from Upper Room, someone that I've just started getting to spend a little time with, and we were talking about this at lunch, and uh, it just really provoked me to kind of dive into this, and so this is really fun. I hope this blesses you. I hope maybe we learn something together, and uh, God's just going to speak, but we're going to answer some questions. We're going to talk about the who, what, when, where, and why of this idea that Jesus is the Lamb, and it's more than just an idea. It's stated in the scriptures, but to to think about it in that way. How often do you think about Jesus as the Lamb, literally? And what does that even mean? So the first question is who? Who is who is the Lamb? Well, the Bible tells us that it's Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And that leads us into the, the when. When was Jesus the Lamb? He was always the Lamb of God. That is made clear. Revelation talks about it. Uh, so much of the New Testament, and then you have these Old Testament prophecies. Even in Genesis, when it says, let us make man in our image, like Jesus was there. Jesus was there with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. 
But because God is outside of time, Jesus was always the lamb that was slain. That's how it can say that he was slain before the foundation of the world, because God is outside of time, and he sees what's going to happen. And so the the plan for redemption was always that Jesus would be slain. Like God knew, even before forming the world, how this thing would play out with Adam and Eve and with sin. There was this covenant agreement between the Father and the Son, knowing how everything would play out in the world, that Jesus would come as the Lamb that would be slain for the sins of the people. This is why we just read in Isaiah 53, it says it pleased the Father to bruise his Son. Like God wasn't crying. God wasn't like remorseful for sending Jesus to the cross. Like God was happy to do it. He was pleased to do it because he knew the redemptive power of the blood of his son that would be spilled for all of us. And it says in Hebrews that Jesus chose to endure the cross because of the joy that was set before him. Like this plan, it wasn't a plan where it's like, all right, you know, this is what we got to do. We got to deal with sin. No, they joyfully decided to do this because they said that your and my life was worth it. How valuable are you to God? You're so valuable that he would send his only son to die. You're so valuable that his only son would choose to die so that you could have life. You're pretty valuable to God, to say the least. And that's the importance of Jesus as the Passover lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Now, what does the Passover lamb do? I'm not going to dive into it uh, in the Old Testament, but if you know the story of Passover, when uh, the destroyer was going to come, God was sending a plague, all the firstborn were going to die, and he gave them very specific instructions on how to make sure that they were covered. And it was by sacrificing this lamb and putting the blood over the doorposts and and many other instructions so that when this spirit came, it would literally pass over them in the house so that they would not have any of their firstborn die. They wouldn't be touched. Anyone who didn't have the blood was destroyed. They were vulnerable. And so Jesus is still our Passover lamb today. Now where? Well, it took place on the earth. And, you know, these are just questions. We're, we're checking all the boxes here. We got the who, the what, the when, the where. Jesus died on the earth. He lived on the earth. But this plan, as we have stated, was formed before the foundation of the world. Jesus was already slain. We've covered this. And it's going to have impact after the earth is destroyed. And we have a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to get into that in two days when we talk about Jesus as the coming king and judge. But today we're focusing on him as the lamb, and so let's get into the why. What's the purpose of Jesus as the lamb? Well, as we said, these bulls and goats and all these things, they had the power to forgive sin. That's because God declared it that way. If you do this, your sins will be forgiven. But they had a standing appointment for the forgiveness of sin every year. It was called the, the Day of Atonement. This is when the sins of the people would be forgiven. It was an annual thing. But they could not be freed from their sin-conscious mind 
because while their sins would be forgiven, they would not be removed. They would not be cleansed. Their minds would still be sin-conscious, and a sin-conscious mind will produce more sin. They, had the, they did not have the ability to have a righteous mind. They could be declared righteous in the sight of God, but they were still sinful people. Now, this is what's incredible about Jesus as the perfect lamb who was slain. Jesus came and he fulfilled every one of the laws and commandments that were set forth by God. He walked the life out perfectly. He did not sin once. And so he is this lamb who is without blemish, without spot. He's absolutely perfect. And he is slain killed, murdered on a cross. Or so it would appear that way. It would appear that Jesus was murdered, but he said, no one takes my life from me, I give it freely. Jesus chose to die. How many of you know that Jesus could have easily not died? He could have just said, hey, I'm, I'm the son of God, I have power, I can... He even said, like, I, don't you think I could be delivered by angels? when Peter lopped that guard's ear off when he was on the cross. Like, don't you think he had the power to come down? Of course he did, but he chose to die. He chose to be this sacrificial lamb. Why? The Bible says that anything that was hung on a tree or on a pole was cursed. Now, Jesus hung for us on the cross, on the tree, right? And he became sin. The Bible says he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus became sin in the flesh on that cross. So Jesus wasn't cursed. Sin was cursed in the flesh. Jesus became sin, and sin was cursed on that tree because Jesus hung on the tree. Anything hung on the tree was cursed. Like, this is from the Old Testament. It's, it's very, you know, you read the whole Bible and you see, wow, this is exactly what happened in the Old Testament. This is just now happening in the life of Jesus. Jesus became our sin, the sin of the world, and the sin of the world was cursed. Thus, Jesus becoming a sacrifice for us. Now, when he died and rose again, he defeated sin and death. He took the keys of hell, and here's what happened. He ascended to heaven, and he took his blood. This is what they would do in the Old Testament. They would take the blood of these sacrifices, and they would sprinkle it on what's called the mercy seat. And that would make intercession. That would cover the people. Jesus took his own blood, up to the mercy seat, and he sprinkled it there. And because he has done this, he had the right to sit down at the right hand of the Father because the work was finished. So because Jesus took his own blood to that mercy seat and made intercession for us, gave us the right to become children of God to those of us who believe in his name, we now have access to God. And tomorrow we're going to get into the role of Jesus as our high priest, which is where he is right now. This is what he's doing now. But I want to talk about him as the lamb, what he did before. But I'm telling you the purpose. This is the why behind what he did. 
the reason that he became the lamb was to atone for sin. It was to cleanse sin. It was to remove sin. It was to take away sin because sin cannot exist where holiness is. God is a holy God. If you look in the uh, in the Old Testament when um, Aaron's sons, I believe, Aaron had two sons that... Uh, created a profane fire before the Lord, and they were killed trying to enter into his presence. If you look even in the New Testament, when Ananias and Sapphira lied to Peter, he said, you haven't just lied against me, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God was living inside of Peter. And so he's making a point, you haven't just lied to a man. Like, I am a man filled with the Spirit of God, and you are trying to deceive God. And they both dropped dead, instantly dead. Sin cannot exist in the presence of God. And so the reason for Jesus coming and cleansing our sin is to completely remove it from our lives. This is why the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a brand new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are not the old you anymore. You are brand new. You have been cleansed of all of your sin. When you ask Jesus for his forgiveness, when you declare that he is Lord, when you follow him, when you believe upon him, you receive eternal life. This is the free gift of salvation that's talked about in Ephesians 2. And having eternal life because of belief in Jesus is John 3.36. And the purpose for all of this is in Colossians 1, which talks about the position which we are in, which we will talk about tomorrow, how God sees us because of what Jesus did. But this is why he did it. He had to restore the original design, purpose, and destiny for mankind. Without the blood of Jesus, without Jesus becoming the sacrificial Passover lamb, there would be no hope for humanity to be restored to the original design, purpose, and destiny that we were created in. What Jesus did was he undid the effects of sin, the penalty of sin. He he completely dismantled it. Those of us who trust in him are not under the law of sin anymore. We are under grace. It is the grace of God that brings salvation. We are now under grace. We have been released from the law of sin and death. And we are restored back to the garden. Back to when Adam and Eve walked with the Lord before they sinned, when they would have had eternal life. You see, the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross and giving us new life is so that we could live forever. And John 17, 3 says eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus. We can't know God without coming into his presence. And we can't come into his presence as sinful creatures. We can't access our Father without an intercessor. You can't just walk straight up to God. You can't just approach God. We needed a way to get there. This is why Jesus came and said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one, no one comes to the Father. No one gets to God except through 
me. So we pass through the broken flesh, the torn flesh of Jesus Christ. And the right that we have to do that is because of his blood that he took and sprinkled on that mercy seat. And now, because of that great sacrifice, him becoming the eternal once and for all Passover lamb, we can boldly approach God. We have access to God because our sin has been removed. Listen, when you ask Jesus to forgive you and you give your life to him, you confess him as Lord, Master, and Savior, when you get born again, your sins are removed. It, they're removed. They're not, just, it, it, they're not just glazed over like, okay, you know, I'm not going to think about him anymore. No. It says that they will be remembered no more, scattered as far as the east is from the west, tossed into the sea of forgetfulness. They're forgotten. Your sins are removed from your life. And now as a Christian, when you miss it, when you miss the mark, which is what the word sin means, it's an archery term. It means missing the mark. Now when you miss the mark, you are still forgiven by God. If you're a Christian, you don't have to go around asking God to forgive you every single time you miss it. That's not heretical. Listen to what I'm saying. Your sins, past, present, and future, were dealt with on the cross. When you miss it, once you're a Christian, you are called to repent. You confess to God, Lord, I've done this thing. Lord, I, I was nasty to my family member. I'm so sorry. Thank you for showing me by your spirit there's a better way to live. Father, I just I thank you that I've been so forgiven already. And Lord, I, I just declare right now that I want to follow you. I want to become more like you. I don't want to talk like that to my family members. Thank you for convicting me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for showing me a better way. That is how we pray as Christians when we sin, when we miss it. Because if you go around constantly asking God for forgiveness when you've sinned, it's going to open the door for you to wonder if you really are forgiven. And if you don't know or don't think you're forgiven, you're going to begin to live like someone who's not. Oh God, please forgive me. Please forgive me, God. I didn't mean to do that. Oh God, forgive me, God, please. And a lot of people struggle with identity issues and they struggle with father issues with God. And they begin to feel shame, guilt, and condemnation. The enemy loves to use those tactics. You need to know as a Christian, because of the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world, that your sin has been removed entirely. Let me ask you this. Just, this is the easiest way to get to the bottom of this. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. There's no remission. There's no cleansing. There's no removal of sin. Jesus has shed his blood for us, yes? Okay, so we agree. Jesus shed his blood. Now, what did his shed blood do? Did it remove the sin of the world? Yes, it did. Okay, now does everyone just get their sin forgiven and everyone's going to go to heaven? No, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. That's John 3, 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son does not have life. And the wrath of God abides in him like you're you're storing up your own wrath if you reject god you already have wrath coming towards you 
It's actually God's plan to save you from the wrath that's coming, which is simply the result of your sin. So belief in him removes that sin. So let me ask you this. If you're born again and you've been forgiven of all of your sin, and the Bible says that your sin is not only forgiven but removed, the old you is dead, there's a new you, and it's no longer you who lives but Christ who lives inside of you, and that Colossians 1.21 says that God sees you as holy, blameless, and righteous. So if you're blameless in the sight of God and you sin, does that change your position with him? No, you're still blameless. Why? Because it's not about your actions, it's about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than your sin. When you're born again and you sin, God does not see it. He sees the blood of Jesus. And so if God doesn't see your sin, then why would you bring it up and ask him to forgive you if he doesn't even see it because it's already been forgiven? Don't get caught in this trap. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you you can just sin and you never have to do anything. You need to read Romans because Romans 6 talks about this. It says where sin abounds, grace abounds more. But does that mean that we're just going to sin a whole bunch so that grace just keeps popping up? No, that's sick, that's twisted, that's perverted. That's not how we show the Lord that we love him. The Bible says if we love him, we will keep his commands. We don't abuse grace. We don't sin with grace in mind. But we know that if we do miss it, one, we have an advocate. We have someone in heaven, Jesus Christ, who is advocating for us, who is speaking on our behalf. The blood of Jesus is speaking a better word. Your sin has already been removed. And so now you get to allow the conviction and the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to you when you miss it, when you snap at someone in traffic and all of a sudden you have that thought, hey, you shouldn't have done that. You can go, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that I did that. Thank you for showing me a better way. Lord, help me to become more like you every day. This, it didn't feel good to do that. I thought, I, was, I thought it felt good in a moment in my flesh, but God, this isn't who I am. Make my heart more tender. Give me more patience, God. I, I have no right to be snapping at people in traffic. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for being my father. Thank you that you don't just let me live however I want. You correct me. You rebuke me when I'm wrong. You keep me on the straight and narrow. Father, I love you. Thank you. Come on, that is freeing when you pray like that. It's not hypocritical because you want to be new. You want to change. You want to get better. That's way better than, oh, God, I did it again. You know, here I am still struggling with the same old thing. I, I, sometimes it feels like I'm not even a new creation. I don't know why you love me, God, but your word says you do. And I just ask if you could just please forgive me again. Just please forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry. I keep doing the same thing over and over. Just I'm asking for your forgiveness, God. I'm just asking. That doesn't sound like someone who has confidence. The Bible says that you can have confidence on the day of judgment because you've abided in Christ. But people who have a wrong view of themselves, they don't abide in Christ because they think God's always upset with them because they're constantly having to ask for forgiveness because they're missing it. Guys, God is not a mad, evil, mean father. He's a good father. He just wants you to do better. He, he wants you to grow. He wants you to become more like a son. And so you just submit. Like, this is why Jesus died. This is the purpose of him as the lamb, was to remove your sin and give you access to God so that your original design could be restored and your purpose and destiny in him 
the reason that you were created could be discovered and walked out. This is freeing. So I want you to know that this is the purpose of Jesus paying the price as the Passover lamb. He wanted to remove your sins so that you could be restored. It, it was It's step one. Yes, it is to save you from death, a, a spiritual death, eternal separation from God forever in torment. But it is so much bigger than just saving you from sin and hell. It is, there's a purpose to it greater than just changing your destination when you die. The purpose of Jesus dying on the cross as the sacrificial lamb was that your sins could be removed so that you could know the Father and that you could stand in his presence guilt-free, condemnation-free, shame-free, and you could begin to grow and learn through a daily process of sanctification what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a child of God. So approach confidently. Know that your sin, if you are a Christian today, your sin has been removed. If you are not a Christian today, you must give your life to Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive you and declare that your life belongs to him and begin to follow him. This is the Christian life. You can know that your sins were dealt with on the cross, but it's up to you to believe that they were. Well, I hope this encouraged you. I hope maybe you learned a little something. You know, I'm not pretending to be some incredible Bible teacher or something like that. I didn't dive into all of the related text and all of the original meanings of the words and stuff like that. I just wanted to paint a simple overall picture of Jesus as the Lamb. Why did he do it? What does it mean? Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've sang it, but you never actually sat down and thought about the lamb. Why is he a lamb? And that's why. And uh, if that spoke to you or it helped you or encouraged you, share this. Hit the copy link button. Message it to a few people. Post it on your Instagram story. Tag me. I'll repost it. Like, let's help get the word out about Jesus as the lamb. Um, And I believe we'll see people changed. I believe we'll see shame, guilt, and condemnation broken off of people because they've caught a revelation of why they're alive, why Jesus did what he did. It's incredible. Make sure you like the podcast. If you do, leave us a rating or a review on uh, Apple or Spotify. It really helps us reach more people. And if you're looking for a deeper dive into your identity and some of these things I was talking about, these little prayers that I was praying, like, God, thanks for loving me. Thanks for showing me this. I wrote a devotional that really helps you pray um, it's called I Will Always Overcome. It's a nine-week devotional. It's like a four- to five-minute read every day for 63 days, and it will reprogram your mind to have faith, to have confidence in the Lord, to, to know your identity. It's, I, I believe it's really powerful. You can read the reviews on Amazon. Um, there's hundreds of ratings. People are just saying how it's really changing them, and it's not my great writing. It's just I... I took some truths from the Bible, and I put them together in little simple prayers. It's the Word of God that sets you free. It's not my words. And so if you want to pick that up, that's called I Will Always Overcome. You can buy it on Amazon for 10 bucks, or you can go on my website, shanewinnings.com, and you can pick it up there. Thank you guys so much for listening, and tomorrow we'll be talking about Jesus as the high priest and what that means for us today and how that can change our life today. So don't miss that. We'll see you tomorrow.